We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. We are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It is a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Steven. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the dancing fan, if you could see him on our video chat. This is the podcast that I already said was What's the Good Word? You distracted me. So let me ask you a question, Joshua. What's the good word? To hell with Georgia. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, welcome to episode number 29 of What's the Good Word? We are going to give you as much Georgia Tech athletic news as we can from various websites and sources that we have and we follow. We want to bring it to you in one spot. We are going to we also do a second part of the show where we kind of concentrate on one particular subject or story. Obviously, with the men's basketball season coming to an end, we will wrap up and kind of talk about the men's basketball season, talk about what's ahead, and talk about this team and this season. But as I stated, welcome to episode number 29. It is the Tariq Carpenter episode. Tariq Carpenter, a longtime starter at Georgia Tech, now playing in the NFL, exceeding his potential or living up to his potential. You might hear that again later in the show. So Tariq Carpenter, episode number 29. We salute you, sir. Thank you for all your services. Well, unfortunately, on Georgia Tech, uh, on this podcast, What's the Good Word? We bring you all of the news that surrounds Georgia Tech, both their current players, current regime, and their former ones. So uh, we do want to bring you, we don't want to want to bring you this news, but because it's about Georgia Tech, figured we have to because we bring you the good, the bad, and the, the ugly. Um, unfortunately, about a week ago, a couple days ago, Anthony Morrow, who we shouted out a couple episodes ago um, for his role at Georgia Tech, he has been arrested in – where was it? They mentioned it. He had been arrested in Charlotte, North Carolina on charges of kidnapping and strangulation. Uh, unfortunately, it seemed like a woman that he was dating. They had an altercation, and it turned physical, and Anthony Morrow made some very, very poor choices with what he decided to do he has been released on fifteen thousand dollar bail he will face these charges and you know the legal process hopefully will do his thing and um he gets the help that he needs amen yeah anthony come back to us all right so we are going to start the news by talking about baseball all things baseball team the nationally ranked georgia tech baseball team when we last left you, they were getting ready to face those misspelled canines over in Athens, and they had their weekend series, one game in Athens, one game at uh, Tech, and the third game at Cool Ray Field. Unfortunately, the first two games did not go our way. They suffered their first two losses of the season. Uh, they lost 7-2 to in Athens, and they lost 16-6. to at Tech. So pitching let them down that game. But thankfully, there was a third game played at Cool Ray Field 
Yours truly, the alum, actually got to attend that game with my youngest son, Elijah. We had a fantastic time. It was a perfect day for baseball. And what made it even better was the Yellow Jackets kick some ass and beat Georgia 4-1. to So, well done to the Jackets. Didn't even have time to take some names because they were too busy. Amen. Uh, but speaking of names, uh, Mr. Finley, Jackson, uh, Jackson Finley. Oh boy. I, I was going to get this up on my phone and I forgot. Uh, I Jackson well. Finley powered the yellow jackets pitching attack. He scored, he had four scoreless innings. Ben King came in and had a fantastic kind of middle of the game. And then Terry Busey earned his fifth save of the season, which by the way, if you get a chance to watch that young man pitch, fantastic deceptive motion kind of all he does it elijah and i were really enjoying watching him go through his routine it is idiosyncratic to state <laughs> the obvious but uh georgia got some or excuse me georgia tech got some great hitting uh enough hitting got some great pitching in that game won the game four to one and then we had one other game and joshua i'm going to kind of turn it over to you you're the you're the better recapper than me so what else do you want to bring up about the baseball team um, well, J- Jackson Finley is the, the main thing around this team because he is the college baseball equivalent of Shohei Otani right now uh, with both a 138 ERA and a 471 batting average. Absolutely incredible. Um, they did play uh, Lipscomb the other day. We are recording this on Wednesday. You'll notice it's a couple days late. We wanted to wait for the end of the ACC tournament because we didn't want to come on and be like, yeah, so they um, they beat. They beat Florida State, and then the whole time we're going on a run just in case. So either way. But they did face Lipscomb. They won 10-5. to Dalton Smith got the start. Did not have a great game of it. Gave up two runs in three innings. But the bullpen picked up the slack. Only gave up three more runs over the rest of the game. Aiden Finitary had another strong outing. Noah Sabol had a really good one in two innings of work. And on the offensive end of the equation, we got a home run from Jack DeLeo. Uh, again, he's up to five on the year. You also had um, multi-hit games from a few people. Angelo, how did how did you say that the PA announcer said his last name? Angelo Despina. Despina. Okay, so I apologize, Angelo, for mispronouncing your name. Despina had a multi-hit game. Um, you also had a multi-hit game from Jackson Finley, three for four, because why not? That's just kind of what he does. And then Tyler Minnick, starting at catcher, not the normal catcher. Um, he also had two hits. So, so far, the biggest issue with Tech, from what I've seen, is their Friday night starter, Dawson Brown, is, how shall we say, inconsistent. Um, He had that one incredible outing that we mentioned where he struck out like 12, but then against the yellow, uh, against Georgia, he only went three and a third, gave up seven runs, six walks, and nine hits. So, once Tech kind of figures that out and gets that starting rotation um, stabilized, I think this team could be really good because the offense is not really struggling to put up runs i mean they've they've had i'm glad you one bad game so far yeah i'm glad you said that because and you've said it in past broadcasts the the offense is the engine of this team they're they are get their their run scoring ability is going to give them a chance to win almost any game and they may have to win a lot of games by scoring a lot of runs there are five yellow jackets hitting over 300 or better in fact Jackson Finley, the pitcher from Sunday's game, is leading the team in hitting at 471. Uh, Jack, Jake DeLeo, Jake, Jake DeLeo is hitting 423. Uh, catcher Jack Rubenstein 
is hitting 415. Angelo uh, Angelo Despina is at 367, and Nico Sinise is at 333. Also, we don't know how well this season is going to end, but one thing the Yellow Jackets have done better than any other team to start the season is have players of the week. <laughs> Jackson Finley now becomes the fourth Yellow Jacket in three weeks to win the collegiate, uh, uh, I believe it's Collegiate Baseball America Player of the Week. So that's gonna, that streak's going to end at some point, but until it does, we're going to celebrate it every week. Yeah, and well done to the Yellow Jackets baseball team. They now stand at 11-2 and two on this young season. Yeah. Unfortunately, those two losses came in the first of the three-game series. They are about to play Notre Dame and kick off their ACC schedule, yeah, so kudos to the ACC. Team. We'll get them, and then on Tuesday, we play Auburn. So we'll cover yes. those next week. All right. Uh, I believe you have some football recruiting news. I, 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 have, I have a few things of football. I'm going to lump them together. So we're going to start off with former Yellow Jackets. Um, Keon White has had some buzz about himself going into the NFL draft. Him and Charlie Thomas both participated in the scouting combine this past weekend. And I have the official numbers for you here today to let you know exactly how they did. So Keon White only took part in certain drills. He took part in positional drills. And I, there were a few videos circulating on Twitter of people going, a 290-pound man should not move this way. Um, we know how quick he is. He was putting up some really good numbers in the positional drill, side-to-side movement, uh, clubbing through the tackle dummies. As for the results and the numbers, he only did three of the um, athletic testing stuff. He put up 30 reps on the bench press, which is actually fantastic, believe it or not. Um, he was third among defensive ends at 30. He was tied for second, actually, with Tyler Lacey. Um, he also did the vertical jump, which he put up a 34-inch jump, which isn't incredible, especially for edge defenders. But when you look at the edge, a lot of the edge defenders above him, a lot of them are smaller guys like Will McDonald, who's 239 pounds. Uh, the fact that Keon White put up 34 inches at 290 pounds is still incredibly impressive, right? And then he did have one. Uh, he did have one other testing number that I'm pulling up. Right, I keep hitting the wrong name. It's been it's been a struggle. Um, he also had a nine foot nine inch broad jump, which is where you obviously jump straight forward, and that was considerably less impressive compared to everybody else. He was down towards the middle of the pack, uh, bottom of the middle. As for Charlie Thomas, he actually surprised. I think so. One of the big things with linebackers, especially in the NFL now, is you got to be fast. Charlie Thomas put up a four point five two second forty yard dash, which I think actually surprised a lot of people. I didn't see his name mentioned a lot. He was in the top five to six for his um, for his position. He also had he had a one point five five second ten yard split, which is pretty good. Thirty two and a half inch vertical, not great. A ten foot four inch broad jump, a seven point oh nine second three cone, a four point three four twenty yard shuttle, and eighteen grabs on the bench. So I think Charlie gets drafted personally. I think obviously we're biased, but that the kid can play. Uh, there's no question about that. He finds the ball no matter what. As for recruiting, Georgia Tech had two huge, and I mean, I can't stress enough, huge commits on campus both last week and this coming week. So the first one is athlete Kylan Fox from Loganville, Georgia, out of Grayson High School. He is considered the 86th best player in the 
2024 recruiting class, according to 24-7 Sports. He has got 59 offers as of right now, and I'm talking Alabama, UGA, Colorado, basically any Power 5 school you can think of has probably sniffed around this kid. And he made it a point to come to Georgia Tech and post about it, said he had a great time, and he's going to come back again. He's already talking about scheduling a second visit. The other one is five-star quarterback Dylan Riola. Um, he is from Arizona in Phoenix Pinnacle High School. He's already taken visits to USC. He's going to take a visit to UGA, also going to Nebraska. Big reason he's come to Tech, check out Georgia Tech, offensive coordinator Buster Faulkner. Apparently he and his family have a terrific relationship with Buster, and that is one of the reasons why they're coming to check out your Georgia Tech. So higher paying dividends. Now, I want to state very obviously, both of these are 2024 yes. athletes, and neither have committed. I, I no. believe you use the word commits, but you know, hopefully future commits. Um, but yes. the fact that two top recruits, a five-star quarterback and a top 100 recruit at this point, are both coming to the campus, you've mm -hmm. got to take as good news our 2024 yeah. class already has a couple of commits or has a couple of it has serious it people. Has yeah, and, and a couple others who have made some serious overtures toward Tech. So Brent Key hitting the ground running with yeah. his um, first full year class that he'll be a part of, of recruiting. So kudos to the football team. A couple of other quick pieces of athletic information that we will mention. First of all, the... Lady Jackets softball team had a fantastic end to their latest game. They played number 18 ranked Auburn and Reese Hunter hit a seventh inning walk off home run for the Yellow Jackets to defeat Auburn two to one in a well played game. So the Lady Jackets are about to start their ACC schedule as well. I believe they're going to Virginia Tech this week, but shout out to the Lady Jackets winning a great game and sitting 12 and eight on the season. They are a very, very young team. Uh, by the way, then let me just com uh, combine that with baseball sitting at the game. I got to look through the roster a little bit with the program. Tech has like 15 freshmen on their, t on their baseball team oh and freshmen sophomores together are like 20, 20, I mean, well over half of the team. So uh, they are a young team. Now, I think their core is is uh, a solid veterans and a lot of seniors are playing, but that's a young team. Softball and baseball, both young, but both showing out and playing well so far. And Absolutely. the baseball team is, is hopefully still uh, nationally ranked. The other piece of information I do want to go over quickly is uh, we have a you gave a pro football report a little bit as guys were getting ready for the draft. I wanted to cover a couple of things in the pro golf circuit, especially as it pertains to former Yellow Jackets. The PGA Championship is happening this weekend, and we are excited that uh, Stuart Sink, Matt Kuchar, and Chesson Hadley will all be competing at the uh, PGA Championship. Kuchar won that event a few years back, so we hope he shows up well and maybe someone will be in the running at the end of the weekend also a former tech golfer uh cameron tringale got uh is on the live golf tournament 
and he played his first event on the Live Tournament and tied for 20th at an event in Mexico. So kudos to him for that. And a gentleman who's becoming my little gimmicky personal favorite golfer to talk about is Andy Ogletree, the 24-year-old former jack- jacket golfer who competed on the Live Golf Tournament and at his first event finished dead last, had a horrible showing, and had to be basically demoted or reassigned. Let's put it that way. Mr. Ogletree, I apologize. It's reassigned. And he's been playing on the Asian Tour, which is kind of semi-sponsored by the Live Golf Tour. And he has finished first twice in the last six months of his event. He is currently the money leader and heading into his last few tournaments of the Asian Tour, if he stays atop the money leader, he will be guaranteed a spot back on the Live Golf Tournament. So we wish him well. We hope he finishes well. And he has had nothing but good things to say about the Asian Tour because he's winning and placing very well. So kudos to them. Also, the uh, speaking of Georgia Tech golf, the golf team is playing in a current tournament and they are currently standing sixth remember they have finished first in a couple of the tournaments they've played uh it's funny their team record is 0-1 they've only had one match against another team texas and they lost that match so they're kind of in the midst of their uh tournament scenarios and they finished tied for sixth at the southern highlands collegiate tour out in las vegas nevada so they had started in 11th and they finished sixth. They had a very strong showing on the last day. So uh, shout out to the Georgia Tech golf team. Absolutely. All right. It is that time, Joshua. It is indeed. It's time to wrap up the basketball season. Unfortunately, but also just a little fortunately. A little fortunately. When last we left the team, They had started to show good signs of life, were coming on a great streak, and they had a chance to finish the season at Boston College before heading to the ACC tournament. I will leave the recapping to you quickly to cover the last three games, last regular season game in the ACC tournament. How do you want to do this? One game at a time? Do you want to just give us the recap? We didn't plan that ahead of the show. I'm just I'm leaning on your expertise. What do you want to do? Let me let me give the recap of what's happened and then we can talk about what it looked like and what's to come. So we'll get the facts out there first and then bring in the opinion. Cool? I love it. Let's do it. Cool. So final game of the regular season versus Boston College at Boston College. Georgia Tech took home the win 73 to 65. Um, once again, Tech's offense finally started to hit that 70 benchmark that Josh Pastner mentioned so many times. Uh, he had a really strong game from Lance Terry in this one with 17 points and seven rebounds, 14 from Kyle Sturdivant, 21 from Miles Kelly on only 14 shots, five of 11 from three. Uh, once again, Pastner stuck with the six-man rotation. Jalen Moore only played 14 minutes off the bench, did have seven points in those 14. Javon Franklin, because I have to mention him all the time, eight points. 15 rebounds, one assist, one block, and two steals. A horrible night for him. Just absolutely didn't get double. Come on, Javon, wake up. Get to work. Only two steals? What's going on? So I think he was just ready for the ACC tournament because that's where we get into the really interesting one. So obviously Tech didn't have a lot of expectations coming into the season, and they ended up in the 12-13 matchup against Florida State. Now, 
Florida State had started off horribly, but they had won seven games in the ACC. They'd started to look a little bit better. They were a relatively young team. Tech started off down early. They ended up going into halftime with only 21 points, down 31-21. But because Georgia Tech scored 40 points in the second half, they were able to take home the win 61-60 and win an ACC tournament game. Uh, Javon Franklin didn't shoot well in this game. He went 3 of 10 from the floor, but he also had 19 rebounds and three blocks. And in all fairness, he was giving up at least five inches the entire game. At one point, they had a Florida State had a kid on their bench who was like seven four or something like mm-hmm. that, and Javon was guarding him, and it was it was comedy more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the numbers are going to look great. Miles Kelly had another great game though with twenty one points on seven to fifteen shooting. Debo Coleman had hit shots when it mattered. The big one was this came down to the wire. Georgia Tech uh, they were tied sixty to sixty. They got a stop with 20 seconds left, brought the ball down, ran a great play where Lance Terry was open on a backdoor cut, got absolutely hosed at the rim, got fouled, but Javon picked up the offensive rebound, and he got fouled, hit a free throw. They went up one and then intentionally missed a free throw because there was only two tenths of a second left, and Tech was able to take home the win. The next round, they had to face the number five seed, uh, Pittsburgh Panthers, who Tech almost won on their home floor a couple weeks ago. They ended up losing this game 89 to 81, but they did a great job. They were down 13 at the half, 44 to 31. They went on a nice run in the second half to tie the game, keep it close. Got to a point that they were almost trading baskets. Eventually, Pitt pulled ahead and was able to kind of keep them at arm's length. Um, four starters and double figures, Javon Franklin. If this is his last game at Tech, 19 points, 15 rebounds, four assists, one block, six steals. Holy crap, right? Not, not much else to really really say. Uh, 17 from Debo Coleman, um, albeit on 14 shots. 16 from Miles Kelly. 16 from Kyle Sturdivant. You know, the boys didn't want to go home. That's for sure. They wanted to keep playing. Uh, four guys played 40 minutes in this game. The only person who didn't play 40 minutes was Kyle Sturdivant, and I think that was because of foul trouble. He had gotten two or three pretty early, and so Jalen Moore got to play six minutes. Uh, yeah, it not it, – Tech put up as much fight as they could and played about as good of a game as they could. But it was the older and better team. And that's kind of where we were. It is it is not overstating it to say that to end the season, Georgia Tech was one of, if not the hottest team in the ACC. Playing basketball at a level on the top half of the league. The last, yeah, I mean, it is it is fair to say in the last couple games they were playing the middle, the bottom half of the ACC. Absolutely, but you've got to beat the teams that are in front of you, and those were teams that Tech was losing to earlier. So and, I'm, I'm with you on that. And don't forget, as they got to the back third of this schedule, they were a last place team. So it's not like oh, they're teams you should beat. No, no one was. I mean, they, they'd lost nine in a row. And so they beat the teams that we thought they should beat based on what we thought, what I thought, I'm saying I, thought the skill level and talent level of this team was, which is not a, a top team in the ACC. But I was, I if you go back and listen at the beginning of the season, I thought at their best, they'd be 8-9-10. That, that would be kind of where yeah. if they played the, at their top level, I think they could be an 8-9-10 type team maybe top half, but but more likely kind of 9-10. We ended up, what, 13th 
and we beat the we beat the twelfth seed, and then we lost to the number five seed and really competed with the number five seed. So again, we were very competitive at the end and playing as a top half team. We finished the season thirteen out of fifteen. Um, and so so now, great recap of those three games. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about what everybody right now is talking about, which is, okay, so, and what I'd like to do is maybe we kind of, as we talk about the future, we can kind of sum up what we saw this year and what we think, what we think of this year, which many are considering a failure. You finished 13 out of 15 teams. You do win a play-in game, but you get beat by the fifth seed. And so what does that mean for Tech? What does that mean for Passner? Let's just kind of talk about the future while also kind of summing up what we saw. So I will ask you first and foremost the number one question. You know, Tech basketball is finally in the news. It's because they're asking, does Josh Passner need to go? Um, I don't think that he needs to go. Now, if Tech were to come out tomorrow and say that they made the decision, I would understand the reasoning because in the end, he has only he had the one good year to start off his career. They had two bad years. They had a year where they were ramping up and getting better, and then COVID hit, and then they had the ACC title year, and then they've had these past two bad years. So, the, because of the Valley, if J Bat really wants to try to make a statement, I would understand why he would go. Hey, I think that we need to move on because. You know, how much of the ACC title was right place, right time, right players, right – either way. I don't think so, though, because I – I normally I'm typically more patient with people and with coaches. Uh, the moment people are like, oh, we need to fire him, I'm always like, well, d- let's give him another year. I think Passner should get a mulligan for that bad year after the ACC tournament because he's been on record saying, yeah, I screwed that one up. And it was understandable why I screwed it up because he was trying to convince his two best players to come back to school. So defensible, because if he gets Moses and Jose back, that team is making another, potentially making another run. And then this year is the big one, because I had people tell me that Tech wouldn't win an ACC game. And not only did they win an ACC game, they won an ACC tournament game. And they pushed Pitt twice. They were lost by seven or eight both times, but... To be in games like that against them, I mean, if you're as bad as people have seemed to say that this team is, you're not in those games. I think Passner deserves one more shot because he's, you know, if you keep the three sophomores, they're going to be juniors. I think that that's a really good spot for them to kind of take another jump. Um, You're not losing a ton, but you have some spots to fill. And with the transfer portal, you can get a whole lot of impact talent. There is a possibility that you get Javon Franklin back. It has to do with a medical waiver or a medical redshirt that he didn't apply for when he was in South Alabama, but maybe he could do it backlogged. I don't know. I heard it from a fan. I'm not going to say it was like definite. It's like a possibility. The NCAA could just tell him, no, that's not how this works, and he moved on. We'll see. But there's at least like the idea out there. I think Passenger deserves another year. Just to see, I would obviously there would have to be benchmarks. You've got to make it in the top half of the ACC. You've got to do X, Y, and Z. But I think he needs another. He deserves another. Is is uh, <clears throat> I hate that three years later we still talk about this stupid pandemic, but it's created the COVID year concept. Um, 
is Javon Franklin the only one that, unless this weird thing, which you've never told me that, but I found uh, out about this two days ago. I was yeah. talking about it with, with a guy in the group chat, and he was like, "Yeah, they can." He, he broke his leg <laughs> in South Alabama, no. but he didn't do a medical red shirt. And I was like, oh, "Cool, okay." He sure he sure walked off the court and talked about it after the game, like like he was ready to see what the next chapter was. But is he the only one that for sure at this point that we know is doesn't have any COVID? eligibility can can yeah can so, Sturdivant and Lance Terry both come back in COVID years so Lance Terry does have another year as does Kyle Rodney has another year as well the I'm not rumor talking in about window is that Rodney and potentially Tristan Maxwell are going to have their scholarships pulled or at least be told you probably should transfer because you will not play if you stay here yeah Good. So there will be three spots open we'll see what happens with like a guy like Jordan Mecca who hasn't gotten any playing time up to this point. But yeah, Javon Franklin and Coleman Boyd are the only two guys that like can, I don't think they can come back. Okay. They so, released the two guys on at senior night. Yeah, right. And that's what I thought, right? That's what I saw and kind of thought about. So um, it'll be interesting to see um, because Rodney and Tristan, we appreciate you guys, but this is the last time we're talking about you because you're not contributing to the team. And you clearly don't fit in the defensive passenger system. And in Rodney's case, you can't even hold on to the ball. So uh, Rodney is this generation's Antoine Ford. Go search Antoine Ford, Georgia Tech. That is this generation's Rodney uh, or Antoine Ford. So uh, moving on from them. So Lance and, uh, Lance and Kyle, I, I would love to see come back. Interesting, Davon got hurt, and I never really heard if he was cleared. I don't know if he was just still hurt at the end of the he season. He didn't travel with the team, so I, I'm not sure. We'll we'll have to – that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, I know that his – you know, I don't want to pretend like I'm a psychologist or I can read body language really well, but there were, there were periods during the year where he looked a little – out of it and then he would come right back for the next two weeks and right. like dialed in and be the best player on the team so it'll be interesting to examine that and see what he and does. and davon has had flashes where you go man this guy is dynamic but the problem is he can't stay healthy and then the other problem is he he at times does appear out of control and listen one of the and things that one of the things that this team turned around is they they had fewer turnovers on average, which if you've watched Passner's team, we always have struggled with turnovers. But this team took care of the basketball, which kept them in a lot of games because they play. This was a very, very smart team. Now, and we can talk about this, but obviously he shortened the bench massively. Oh, and everybody yeah. who says we need another Kremens, Josh Passner was Bobby Kremens this year playing six the last third of the year, seven at most. And they uh, that caused them to really kind of tighten everything up. And they but even before that, they had much fewer turnovers than they have in years past. So this is a team that took care of the ball. So maybe our defense wasn't as wild and crazy as the Jose years and the Ben Lammers blocking and James Banks blocking years. But we made up for it by taking care of the ball a lot better. So those two things kind of balanced out. Um, so what I'm going to ask is we know Blue Kane is committed. He is the the freshman commit. Um, assuming Passner stays, what do you 
what do you see as the biggest need for this team to take that step to go from 13th to, you know, getting to that middle of the pack and competitive in the ACC? A center. A big guy. I mean, I love Javon, and Javon was grinding down there, but it helps to to not give up size. I think that that will be very, very important. Um, I think also, a sh- you know, this could happen internally. Miles Kelly could take a jump and become this. But there does need – I think we need a guy who, even if he's just a bench guy, you can kind of put him in and he's offense. He's like offense, offense, offense. One of the issues with Tech is when the system breaks down and there isn't, you know, a sh- an obvious shot to be had off a pass – or off of a dribble handoff, there's nobody that you really trust all the time one-on-one. You know, mm-hmm. again, when Miles Kelly's feeling it, he can get you some shots, and I think maybe he can become a guy who gets you some shots, but Tech doesn't really have that that go-get-me-a-bucket guy. And obviously, it's easier to say, we need that, because there's only so many guys like that out there. But there's so, plenty of scores that will hit the portal. So uh, so you would say a scorer who can get his own shot and you would say a center, which, by the way, every team needs. Right. I mean, those are I mean, those are the two, but you're right. Those are two foundational pillars. And this team kind of lacked that. I mean, I think Davon could make some moves to get open, but he wasn't necessarily going to finish. I, I do think Kyle Sturdivant is he has the one thing where he can he's he's thick and very strong, and he pounds his guy down yeah. and gets somewhere inside of 15 feet. Now, he isn't he isn't automatic on that, but that's that – it's that one – it used to be what Jarrett Jack and Travis Best, and, I mean, Tech always kind of had a point guard who could go get his shot, and Sturdivant does that. He It doesn't look pretty, but he does it, and he just pounds to the block and goes, all right, I'm shooting from six. Everybody go get it. So, um, So let me ask this question, too. So we talked about Davon and maybe Mecca. Do you think those are the only two at serious risk of potentially transferring out? In the modern day of college sports, everybody's a potential risk. A school could come to Miles Kelly with an under-the-table NIL offer that he just can't say no to, and he can transfer to a, a bigger, more successful, higher-profile program to get more NBA notice. Um I would hope that he would kind of understand if I come back to tech, I'm the guy. So, you know, it's me and he committed here for a reason. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that question and I'm going to use that to kind of basically make one of my points. And, and if anybody's been listening to this show for any length of time, they know I'm a huge passenger fan. I obviously do not think he should be fired. In fact, he needs, I mean, this is one of his best coaching jobs of his seven years, taking a team that hadn't tech hadn't lost nine ACC games in, in over 40 years since before Kremens. And he got them off the mat and he got them to respond. He never lost this locker room. And that is why I am going to say that maybe Davon, but it would not surprise me if he didn't go anywhere. And maybe Mecca maybe looks for more playing time. And again, the other two we talked about they're, they're, they're assumed that they're leaving, but other than those two, and I really would, it would not surprise me if neither of them leave because I think this entire roster, uh, the, the key parts of the roster, they are not, no one's going anywhere. 
because and and if every anybody wants to know the number one reason why Josh Passner should not be fired yet is because players get much better under Josh Passner. There are way too many examples seven years in of players who take significant steps forward. And, you know, the we saw we saw a huge jump in Miles Kelly this year. We saw, and we were on Debo off and on for the season, but as I watched the season end, Debo Coleman is such a glue guy. He can score some buckets when he needs to, but he does so many other things that are not on stat sheets. He yeah. was guarding usually fours as a three. He is bodying people up, getting he gets tough rebounds. He 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 commits smart fouls. He has great assists, and he's just kind of the glue that that keeps that offense moving when it needs to. Sturdivant really turned his season around in the second half and played incredibly solid. Lance Terry showed the ACC stage is not too big for him. That guy never came off the court when he was healthy. So the the significant improvement, and, and more, I, you know, Jalen is, it, he's showing some signs. He's showing he's got, some uh, Moses. He's, he's, got, he's got athleticism for sure. Yeah. yeah. Showing some Moses type signs. So we'll have to see how these guys improve. But the number one thing is I don't think Passner, he he did not lose that locker room. I think you've got a chance for this team to really try and see how good can we get together? How good is Blue Kane as a freshman? Do Kirill and Fred Pauls, who we joked about their garbage time, but do they develop? Do they take a next step development and maybe show that they can help? Kirill is a thick, big guy. He is a space eater, and he looks like he's got some good hands. I wouldn't mind seeing what he does with the Princeton offense at the high post. I don't think he's ready to, I don't know if he's ready to play major minutes, but I saw some things where I'm like, if that guy develops and they're, you know, big man whisperer and he's got some soft hands, let's see what he does through that high post. And he seems like he's a good passer. So, We'll, that, I'm, I've been rambling. So you respond to that? Am I nuts? Am I just being? I mean, optimistic. I hope that everybody sticks around. You know, there's there's always again, like I said, with NIL, there's there's always the chance. I mean, Zamari Walton was was 100% committed to coming back to Tech, and he was going to partner with Techway NIL, and then actually, I'm going to Ole Miss. Goodbye. So you know, it, there's always the potential. I would hope that. I don't think obviously I don't think Debo leaves. Uh, Debo's been committed to Josh Pastor since he was in like seventh grade, so right. I, I think he sticks around. Um, Lance probably won't leave. Kyle probably won't leave just because they're they're at the end of their roads. Uh, this they're going to be their last year. I don't see why they would leave. Uh, Miles is really the only one. Miles and Davon are the two that I'm like maybe potentially we'll see what happens. The best part for Tech is you know you can hit the transfer portal pretty hard and bring in some experienced guys because Pastner shown. In the transfer portal, he 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 brought in Usher, he brought in Kyle Sturdivant, he brought in Terry and Javon. All four of those guys. The only transfer he's missed on so far is Rodney Howard. Yeah, and 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 by the way, and and that's another thing. You know, this is everybody's calling this a down year and should pass and be fired and all that. Man, the two he brought in, who by the way were like kind of afterthoughts and kind of not really yeah, talked were. about, Javon Franklin and Lance Terry. Holy crap, man. Those guys played. Yeah. 
They played, they were significant contributors. They were leaders at the end of this season. Lance Terry was our best perimeter defender, and Javon Franklin made me love basketball just watching that guy. I mean, he just, watching him work a ref, watching him laughing and having a good time, and just enjoyed the game of basketball and played his heart out. You uh, sent me a, uh, you sent me a a tweet. I saw this. I, w- I wanted you to give the shout out of just how good of a season Chavon Franklin had for, yeah. the, for the Yellow so, Jackets. This comes from Andy Demetri, the voice of the Yellow Jackets. He said, was talking about the most ACC games with 15 plus rebounds in George Tech men's basketball history. Number one is Malcolm Mackey. For a career, um, by the way. For, for in their career, for with seven. Javon Franklin got five in his last nine games. <laughs> so he almost broke a record. Yeah, Mackey got that over from 1989 to 1993, and Javon Franklin got within spitting distance in nine games. So, By the way, the uh, and one shout-out to Javon in that uh, FSU game that they won 61-60, to 60, Lance Terry, who was fouled on the drive, and they should have called a foul on that on that dunk attempt, but Javon follows it. Much like Lance followed uh, that that miss earlier in the season and and put back for the win, but Javon gets fouled, and they were talking about it before he had eight points at the time, or he had nine points at the time. No, he had eight. And he got fouled. And he only made one free throw, and he had nine points. And like at that time, he had like sixteen rebounds. And and uh, uh, the uh, commentator said he's got to get to ten. You got to get a double double with this many rebounds. He finished that game. He made that free throw. 10 points, 19 rebounds. Yeah. 10 points, 19 rebounds. And he had like six, six steals, three blocks. I mean, it just, just unbelievable. Just, just doing everything. And so, you know, I believe Josh Pastner is a great evaluator of, of the players he needs. Cause think about it. Very few players have left transferred out he knows what he wants he knows what he wants to build and i believe he is building a long-term successful program in the acc which the other thing i'll say is you know the acc it's it's 15 teams i was thinking about that i mean they had to win five games in five days back in cremens and hewitt days it was it was four it was it was a three game you know you were in the quarter or you had four uh no quarterfinal so it was it was it was three games to win because there was eight teams or nine teams you know yeah. back then in those days so the only though i'll just leave everybody with 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 this thought the grass always seems greener on the other side and and sometimes the best things to build take time and passner in five years built a surprise nit uh at the first season and made and won the ACC and made the tournament in his fifth year. That team that won the ACC tournament made the, and made, made the NCAA tournament in their sophomore season of Jose and Moses, they kind of were in a bad season, but they kind of started finishing stronger. They were about as bad as this team. Let's see what, uh, what Passner builds from here. By the way, speaking of, the basketball team. I do want to give a quick shout out. Jose Alvarado, uh, the Pelicans are trying to make the playoff with that, you know, 
that player from Duke who is going to change everything except he can never get on the floor. But Jose's always there. Unfortunately, he's been hurt with a stress fracture in his foot. Want to wish him well and a speedy recovery because I want to watch the Pelicans games when he plays. Other shout out, Josh Okogie starting now with the Suns. Could he be the missing piece along with Kevin Durant to help them win a title? Uh, so Josh is playing the best basketball of his NBA career. Well done. Shout out to him. And uh, I, I don't think I have any other shout out except to shout out my man, Joshua, to tell you how to get in touch with the show. And you can take us out with, I think, a very important question. Yeah. Well, the first thing is email me um, to get in touch if you want to give your take or tell us we were wrong, uh, email me at joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. Julian is spelled J-U-L-I-A-N. And as for that question that Steven was alluding to, it's, it's a very simple one. And I think everybody knows the answer. So shout it with all of your lungs and all your hearts. What's the good one?